Blog Talk Radio. Well, we bear fruit, 
we enable God's power, and we feel God's love. So let's talk about the first Christian and or spiritual discipline, and that is Bible intake. And I want to read Proverbs twenty three twelve, which says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. There's no substitute for the Word of God. Bible intake is so important. There's all sorts of self-help books out there and all sorts of uh, information that the world offers. There's no substitute for the word, Word of God. And we have to have a plan. We can memorize, meditate. We can find a method of accountability, which is very important. And when I say accountability, you can pair up with someone who's going to hold you accountable to whatever your co- commitment is for Bible intake for the day or for the week or for the month. Don't rush through your Bible intake and then pray through the text. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is that you're supposed to learn as you are doing your Bible intake. And then always look for application. Ask yourself, how am I supposed to respond to this? What would God have me to do with this encounter of his word? I want to read to you Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the importance of Bible intake is that you cannot substitute the Word of God for anything else. The question I have for you today is, how will you increase your Bible intake and what method will you commit to to bring about immediate benefit to your life? The next Christian discipline is prayer. Jesus expects us to pray. And Jesus, if we don't know how to pray, we can always go to Jesus and ask him to teach us to pray. We can pray alone or with others. And then just for us to know and remember and to dis, dis embrace that prayer is always answered. The answer may be a no, a yes, or a wait, but God always answers prayer. And the passage I want to read today is Matthew 7, 7 through 8, which most of us are very familiar with. And it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The question I have for you today is, how will you rate your prayer life? How would you rate your prayer life on a scale one to five? One meaning hardly ever pray, and five meaning that you are constantly in prayer. How would you rate your prayer life? The next Christian discipline is worship. Oh, worship is such a, a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to be in the presence of God. It's a time to focus and to respond to God, and that is to be done in spirit and in truth. We are ascribing the proper worth to God as the holy and almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the sovereign judge. And the more we focus on God and the more we understand and appreciate how worthy he is, we can't help but to respond to him. You see, God has revealed himself through creation, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, through his word, and then also through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'd like to read to you the passage in John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The question I have for you today is, will you commit to worshiping more than just on Sunday? See, when we seek God through the means of Jesus Christ and his word, and as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, worshiping is not just a a one-day-a-week event or the day that you come together collectively for a Bible study. We have to commit to worshiping, being in the presence of God, ascribing his worth on a daily basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, not just on Sunday, not just one event. The next Christian discipline is evangelism. Well, it's expected that we evangelize, that we share with others the hope that we have. And we are witnesses of Christ. We have history with Christ. We are on a journey with Christ. And when we share our faith, it also allows others to have hope. So we are to witness, we are to share, and then the nice thing about evangelism, because a lot of people kind of react to, I'm no, I'm not an evangelist, and they may have some visual of someone standing down on a street corner, sort of Bible-thumping and handing out tracts, which has its values also. But the power of evangelism is the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is impart the words that the Spirit prompts us to say. And the power is in the Holy Spirit. I believe that when we encounter someone, that their hearts and minds and ears have already been prepared to receive our message. But we need to be intentional in our evangelism. Intentional. I'd like to read to you Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, also known as the Great Commission. And it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. So the question I have for you today is, will you share your testimony the next time God gives you that opportunity? It could be someone at the grocery store, at the gas station, it could be a coworker, or it could be someone in your own immediate family. The next Christian discipline is fellowship. That comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means communion, sharing in common, and contribution. We are in fellowship with God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That's the vertical relationship that we have. And then we are to be in fellowship with other believers, with one another. And that's the horizontal relationship that we have. We are relational beings, and so it's very common for us to want to gather. And as we do that, let it be wholesome. Let it be God-centered, Christ-centered, and God-focused. I have a passage that I'd like to share with you in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... And make your joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And verse 4 says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. The other component I'd like to mention as we talk about fellowship is relationship building. We are relational beings, as you've heard me say. We're just designed that way. 
And fellowship, again, is not just on Sunday mornings or evenings or whatever evening you may have your Bible study, but it is an intentional, purposeful um, decision to get to know someone better than yourself. And in order to do that, you have to spend time with that person. You have to spend time with those people. We cannot, we cannot build good, solid, deep relationship without spending time with one another. I have uh, the church that I attend, we have a meet and greet during our service, and we spend about five to seven minutes going around and and greeting each other with a holy kiss. And then after service, we have a fellowship downstairs where we usually serve some sort of refreshment or a meal. We have the fourth Sunday as a potluck. We also have a mentorship program where people can have one-on-one sessions to get to know one another better, and then we also have a discipleship program. The question that I have for you today is with whom will you choose to fellowship? I have a personal testimony. Years ago, I uh, purposed to be uh, stretched and developed in the area of hospitality, and I challenged myself with spiritual goals at the top of the year, so I don't set New Year's resolutions, but I set spiritual goals, and I challenged myself to... uh, to come up with a list and to invite someone over for dinner for uh, an entire year, so one person a month. So then I came up with a list of 12 names. And I was talking to someone in the church, and an older person in the church who had the, the gumption to share some wisdom and encouragement and said, well, you know, it's easy to fellowship with the people that you like. What about the people who have rubbed you the wrong way or the people whom you don't uh, get along well as, uh, get as get along with as, as well as others? And I thought, well, that's a good point. Um, My list did consist of friends and close acquaintances, and so I revised my list and came up with six of one and six of the other. And uh, little did I know that having that time, spending that time with uh, the people who I saw maybe a, a difference in personalities or maybe we didn't have that much in common are people that I am still in fellowship with today, and it's a very meaning meaningful fellowship. So I thought that that was uh, pretty cool that uh, an older woman in the church had shared that with me. I reached my goal. I had uh, 12 people over, one one person a month, and it worked out well. The next uh, spiritual discipline is serving. So we are expected to serve. And our desire to serve should be motivated by love, obedience, gratitude, gladness, the fact that we have been forgiven. It should be out of humility and we should be using our spiritual gifting. It should not be motivated by guilt. Jesus was the perfect servant washing the disciples' feet. And uh, we are to fear the Lord and serve him with all our heart. And we are to serve one another in love. And I'd like to read Galatians 5.13, which says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do you not use your freedom to indulge the? But do not use the, your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. To what service has God called you? This is the question that I'm asking you. To what service has God called you? The next spiritual discipline is stewardship. So we are to use our time wisely, use our gifts, our spiritual gifts bountifully and to use our money wisely. You see, God owns everything, and giving is an act of worship. Giving reflects faith in God's provision. Giving should be sacrificial. 
Giving should be in love, willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully. And I'd like to read the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And it says, Remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So the question I have for you today is in what areas or area are you going to improve your stewardship? Would it be in time, your money, your talents, and or your spiritual gifting? So in what areas are you going to improve your stewardship? Time, money, or talents, or your spiritual gifting? The next Christian discipline is fasting. So it's expected, and it's done for a purpose. It could be to strengthen your prayer life, to seek God's guidance or his healing or deliverance or protection or repentance. You could be called to repentance and or to overcome some sort of temptation that's been plaguing your life. You see, a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes should be God-centered. There are types of different types of fasting methods. You can have a normal fast where you're not eating or drinking, and then maybe a partial fast where you're choosing to uh, abstain from certain foods, or it could be a sun-up to sundown fast. And fasting should be in private. It's not for man to see or witness. And then you could also call a congregational fast. But fasting doesn't necessarily only apply to food. You can abstain or vow to abstain from things, involvement, or activity to free up time for more intentional spiritual growth opportunity. I'd like to read uh, Esther uh, chapter 4 and uh, verse 16. And we all know that Esther was a queen and uh, she was reared by uh, a relative. His name was Mordecai. And Esther was Jewish and uh, the, the king didn't know this. And so a decree had been issued for the Jews to be annihilated. And uh, Esther caught wind of this and uh, notified her, her relative, Mordecai. And this is what she said to Mordecai. This is the message that was delivered to Mordecai. Verse 16, Esther chapter 4. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not ink, drink, ink, eat, excuse me, eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. So she is instructing Mordecai to get all the Jews together and to go fast, and she's going to join in on this fast also. And then she says, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther was very brave. She was going to reveal to the king that she was Jewish and that there was a decree or an edict out for the Jews to be annihilated, and she was putting herself, her life, in jeopardy. Is God calling you to fast so you can be victorious in a particular area of your life? Are you being called to fast so that you can be more victorious or consistently victorious in your life? The next Christian discipline is silence and solitude. Ah, that's a very interesting one for me personally. Uh, Silence, of course, is a dedicated time for not speaking, and it can be used for prayer, to read, to write, to hear from God. 
And then solitude is withdrawing to privacy for renewing, refreshing, revitalization, rejuvenation, and restoration, something that we don't find ourselves doing that often in the hustle and bustle of our day-to-day activity. Jesus' example in Matthew 4, 1 says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. We are all familiar with that story. The benefit of silence and solitude is hearing the voice of God better. And then it's also an expression of worship to God. It's expressing our faith in God. And it's allowing us to seek the will of God and then to regain a spiritual perspective. And sometimes it can be used for us to learn control of the tongue. So there's times when we may want to say something that is not appropriate, and we can regroup, gain a spiritual perspective, and then control our tongue at the same time. I'd like to share with you an example. Uh, At our church, we have Vacation Bible Adventure, same thing as Vacation Bible School. And the youth had an experience. Uh, They had an exercise that was quite, um, quite, delightful to watch and to, 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 to see their reaction to what was going on. So there was a whisperer, and then there was a listener. And the whisperer was to say to the listener just a statement, some sort of sentence, a statement, nothing complicated, just a sentence. And it was up to the listener to be able to repeat or, 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 or to, you know, to say what was told to him. And so while the whisperer was, was whispering to and saying this, making this statement to the listener, all the other youth were screaming and hollering and making loud noises, clamoring, uh, banging, um, very much like the, the, the basketball player at the free throw line. The people behind the basket are making all the noise to distract him so that he can miss the basket. Well, at the end of this exercise, We asked the listener, well, what did the whisperer say to you? What was the statement? What did you hear? And the listener said, well, I got all confused, and I wasn't sure. I couldn't really hear what he said because I heard all this other clutter and clamor and loud noises, screaming and hollering. And that is very much like the life that we live today. We are so bombarded with noise, uh, background noise. Uh, I used to to watch TV. I no longer watch TV, and that's that's another podcast. But I was told to clear the clutter out of my life, and I didn't understand what that clutter was until I realized that I was watching the news in the morning and news at night, and that was the clutter that was going into my life, and it had to work its way out some sort of way, either in conversation, you know, opinions, uh, the sidebar conversations that happen in, in the workplace. And so we need to learn how to retreat to solitude and to be able to live in silence. And we have an example of Jesus doing so in Mark verse, chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. A solitary prayer place where he prayed. So the question that I have for you today is, will you seek daily times of silence and solitude? Will you clear the clutter? Will you clear the noise? Will you eliminate the clamor and the things that are very, very distracting to us today? The next spiritual discipline is, Christian discipline, is journaling. It's a a help aid, and it helps in self-understanding and evaluation. And I know many people say, oh, I'm not a journaler. I don't express myself well on paper. 
but it can assist in meditation. It helps in remembering God's love and answered prayer, his works and his word. It can also give us insights and allows for thoughtful expression, and then it also can help us monitor our goals and priorities. We can journal all sorts of ways. A notebook's a regular spiral-bound notebook. We can journal electronically, on note cards, the computer, etc., etc. And I have a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And verse 9 says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Years ago, a spiritual woman, an older woman in the church, had suggested that I journal, create a, start a prayer journal, and I was one of those persons who said, no, I'm not a journaler, and I uh, don't really have time to, to sit and write, and so I sort of uh, heard her and then didn't really hear her, but then one day I decided that I was going to sit down, and I just poured out my journal, in my journal, just writing my thoughts, and it felt kind of therapeutic and sort of uh, uh, very um, rewarding in, in many ways. And then this person came back and said, and as you journal your prayers, go back and write in red ink the days, the dates that God answered those prayers. To this day, I have volumes of those small eight-and-a-half by uh, five spiral-bound uh, notebooks, uh, and I can flip through those pages and see how I journaled my prayers, and I can see the red dates where God answered those prayers. And I tell you, it certainly has been a faith builder for me over the years. So will you commit to journaling so you can reap the benefit of remembering God's work, answered prayer? Will you commit to journaling so you can reap the benefit of remembering God's work and answered prayer? The last Christian discipline is learning. Learning characterizes the wise person, and learning should be intentional, not by accident. It should be intentional. And the passage I'd like to read to you is Proverbs 18, verse 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. What habits do you need to break to become an intentional learner? So I'd like to say, in closing, that above all, we need to persevere in the disciplines, and that is very, very important. It's always easy to start something, but continuing presents a challenge. So be encouraged, and there is a role for the Holy Spirit and fellowship. None of these disciplines can be done in isolation. So pair off and commit to walking this journey with someone that you know, someone that's close to you, someone that can hold you accountable. It could be a coworker, a brother, a sister, a grandmother, a mother, a friend, an aunt, you name it. And then go back and look at the list of areas where you lacked in victory. And considering all of the spiritual disciplines we've talked about, this is the question for the day. What disciplines can you think of adding to your life that will help you with self-control and being more victorious in certain areas of your life? So what are you doing? Pat yourself on the back. What can you add to your life to be more victorious? in those areas that you listed where you have not been victorious. And in closing, will you make a commitment in persevering in the spiritual disciplines? If the list seems daunting or overwhelming, start with a few to add to what you are already doing. 
Write out a plan for what you're going to do and when you're going to start. Take baby steps. And then pray, pray, pray. The application of the Word of God is responding to God appropriately and out of obedience. No matter what the situation or circumstance, you can always go to His Word for Bible intake. You can pray. You can worship Him. You can be a witness for Christ and share your testimony. You can fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can give of your time, talents, money. You can fast. You can retreat to silence and solitude. And you can journal what you are feeling and and, the, and, and then just call upon the name of the Lord and watch him work. You can learn more and more and more about Jesus. And you can persevere by the grace of God. Look forward to learning more about your new journey. And one of the things I'd like to keep leave you with, and that is the strongest message for Christ is for us to be a walking, talking Bible. People should be drawn to us because of how we live and how we choose to respond to God. And with that, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I look forward to you trying some of the Christian disciplines that you learned about. We talked about Bible intake. We talked about Prayer, worship, evangelism, fellowship, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. I thank you, and I look forward to having a special time with you again in the Word of God. May God bless you, and you have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.